Before I start this episode, I want to talk about calisthenics. Now, I know this is a football podcast, but I'm sure some of you listeners have little girls aged between two and six years old, and not sure what you want to do with them in the future, whether it's a sport like basketball or football, and usually you have to wait till they're six or seven years old. Well, Rayburn Calisthenics, club, a club based uh, in Craigieburn, are running a tiny tots, tots program for two to six-year-olds. Tiny Tots is a great introduction to calisthenics at a very young age. What is calisthenics, might you ask? Well, calisthenics combines dancing, gymnastics, and ballet all together. It promotes great team involvement in a fun, team-orientated environment. I've seen the benefits uh, with my own daughter as far as confidence and working within a team for a common goal. She's grown a lot uh, through calisthenics, and Rayburn have some great coaches as well. First class starts Tuesday, 3rd of October, and the classes are for four weeks. $10 each class, and they get to participate in in an end-of-year concert as well, which is a lot of fun. Any questions, you can go on socials and type in Rayburn Calisthenics. That's spelled R-A-I-E-B-U-R-N, Calisthenics, C-A-L-I-S-T-H-E-N-I-C-S for more information. Probably Facebook or Instagram are the best places to find out more information about it. Or if you like, just message me and I can pass on the info. So now let's get on with the show. Hashtag kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben McKay from the North Island Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host... Dean Vasek. Let's go, Kangas! David Uniak getting early possessions. Cunnington for the dream start. Cunnington for 35. They cover it everywhere and the party starts early for the number 10. What a wonderful, wonderful scene. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vassy. You can find me on X at hashtag Kangas, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I welcome back Claire Cozzy to go through the women's performance on Sunday. I'll get the words out eventually. Our win against GWS on Sunday, I should say. Um, a comfortable five-goal win. Um, there was a few concerns, obviously, and there's obviously a lot of positives as well with individual performances. So yeah, there was a lot to go through. We obviously talked a little bit about the men's, the Todd Goldstein decision to leave for Essendon, uh, Michael Barlow appointment as well at the end. So plenty to go through, like I said. Let's not waste any more of your valuable time and bring on Claire right now to talk about it. Claire Cosy, welcome back to the show. Now, we just um, finished a game against uh, GWS on Sunday. Now, we talked a little bit about it uh, through texts. And a couple of days on, how do you feel um, about it, uh, after, yeah, what transpired on Sunday. Yeah, we talked last week that uh, we wanted to get um, a decent win margin-wise. Now, in the end, we're probably, uh, it was only five goals. Um, probably didn't meet our expectations on Sunday, it's fair to say. Yeah, so I could have made the game, Dean. I texted you about, yeah. I think, maybe an hour and a half or unfortunately. Well, no, it's not unfortunate, but my cousin did get engaged and then they sprung on me a surprise barbecue, uh, which was fine and very exciting and, you know, these things happen, but... I felt pretty rude making, you know, 18 toilet breaks to quickly go and jump on my phone and, and watch the game um, because I would have loved to have been at Arden Street. Um, i tell you what, the conditions didn't look great though and obviously you were at the game at the ground and, and you tested that, you know, it's quite a swirly breeze. Um, I think we, we spoke off air about this. I think the biggest 
uh, challenge it is being an all supporter at the moment is the kind of expectations versus reality. So, you know, we sort of said, you know, maybe a seven goal win is, is probably the bar. It's the minimum that we probably would, you know, be happy to kind of accept. It turns out it's a five goal win um, and it's a grinding win. It's one of those ones that I'm not sure I'd run a rewatch. I'm not sure I want a, uh, a tape of that specific game. Um, and look, they did the things to get across the line uh, and win the game and, and not concede a goal. So, you know, credit to to the team. But, um, yeah, it's not exactly a highlights package, that no. game. I just think that there was a lot to be said about the forwards and the mids and, and the lack of kind of connection or synergy. Like, we had so many inside 50s. I think it, like, at the end of the game, I think I looked at it, it was something like 28 inside 50s. Forty-two. And, actually. Oh, it, oh, sorry. And that must have been at half time then. I must, I must be confusing. No. Yeah, half time. I reckon it was twenty-eight to five, and um, forty-two at the end of the game. So forty-two inside fifties for the score line that we had probably doesn't tell you the story in which of North Melbourne's forward line capitalising on those inside fifties, and I feel like it was a very crowded space and credit. I mean, GWS did park the bus. Um, they decided to put their entire team within a 50 meter arc, which is interesting. Um, so, you know, obviously that's hard to navigate, but that being said, I just think that, yeah, there was the forward entering forward 50 and the way that we tried to, I guess, um, capitalize wasn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like I had any synergy. I think there was a disconnect between our forwards and our mids. And I think that, you know, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions about that. So, anyway, we, we do have high expectations being North Melbourne AFRW supporters. How did you see the game, Dean? Yeah, a little disappointing. And maybe I'm comparing our performance to someone like Melbourne who dominated Geelong in Geelong on Friday night. Mm. And I'm expecting a premiership. Um, I'm not going to hide away from that. I think mm. we all know that. Um now, we just got over line against them a couple of weeks ago. If we kicked a little straighter uh, uh, on the weekend, I would have been happier, I guess. Mm. The back line is holding up. Uh, we don't concede scores. Um, in saying that, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think Melbourne are maybe getting ahead a bit now? We had Daisy Pierce claim that we give cars away to players if they yeah. come to the club. Yeah. And their coaching development uh, is better than um, anyone else's. We've got Libby Birch having little digs at us as well. Mm. Do you think we're worried about what they are doing a little bit? Um, I think I think people are aware, so I don't think it's spoken professionally. I don't think, you know, coaches and, and internal staff at the club and players directly talk about it in meetings, but I think it, it's spoken in the locker room. I think there's chats being had. I think that there is conversations. I, I said on Twitter, I think before the D's game, the first thing that I'd be doing is, is playing the audio. I'd be playing the the quarter of the prelim that we just weren't able to capitalize we had that many forward entries i'd be playing the prelim and then i'd also be playing the dialogue of, of libby birch basically suggesting that emma carney plays a freeze to kind of rile them up because i do think there's something to be said about melbourne's arrogance in that they truly believe that they're going to go back to back and i think belief is important in sport and, and passion and drive is important but yeah, it's fascinating. It's fast. I mean, at the moment, Dean. To be fair, that they're walking the talk. <laughs> They've done like a, an incredibly good job at starting the season. I think the proof will be in the pudding. 
come they play the, they play the crows at Casey Fields. I absolutely hate Casey Fields, but they do play the play the crows in Casey Fields this weekend. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I think crows will be one of those teams that actually gives them a pretty decent run for their money. So um, I'm hoping I'm going to be really looking forward to watching that match because I think there'll be a lot that we find out about the Melbourne Football Club. Um, yeah, I mean, they're good, but they are beatable. This is the thing. The frustrating thing is that they're a very beatable team and they're walking around now thinking that they're, you know, invincible and I just don't think that that is. You put a t- hard tag on Kate Hoare and you tell me that doesn't change, like, Melbourne as a team. Like, I don't understand why clubs don't do hard tags. I'd be hard tagging Jasmine Garner, Kate Hall. I'd be hard tagging really good players, Georgie Presparkis, to make sure you nullify their impact. And I just don't think anyone has gone to the lengths and done the research to kind of uncover the fact that, you know, good players can be tagged and can be taken out of the game. I mean... I think about Nick Dacos against Hawthorne. Basically nullifying Nick Dacos's run and carry really changed the trajectory of that game. I don't know why teams wouldn't put time and effort into considering tagging star players of the AFLW. We know that it works, so why not give it a crack, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised, like, middle-tier teams don't actually do that. Like, I was even surprised GWS didn't probably... Like, you could put a young player on a, a jazz gun and they could probably learn a lot more from that rather yeah. than actually just going to hunt the football. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. Like, I'm not too sure if Melbourne... We're worried about what Melbourne are doing. It might be affecting their performance. I, I can't get in the psyche of each individual and everyone's different. But it might be, like, three or four players that it's... Um, you know, maybe Emma, Emma Carney's probably, you know, feeling the pressure now that she's getting towards the end of her career that she really wants a premiership at North Melbourne. But, um, yeah... Maybe sort of uh, it's affecting her performance. I'm not too sure. She seems to be still playing good football, but um, whether she's got uh, other agendas or anything like that, who knows? So, yeah. Anyways, we'll go. I want to talk to you about the back line now. We talked last week about the replacement for Nicole Bresnahan, who's going to be out for effectively the whole year, six weeks. Um, so I thought Puller might have gone to the back line, but it looks like Tess Craven was um, coming off the bench and rotating between Eliza Shannon, Erica O'Shea, Emma Carney to make that back as a rotating back six there. You think that will be the way they go going forward? Yeah, I think it was tested on the weekend and it had pretty, like, you know, holding a team scoreless um, seems to be a successful kind of indicator that it worked, um, albeit against potentially a bottom four side though. So I think there's a bit of risk in that, but it's a calculated risk by Crocker to do that and put Craven down there and sort of, be protected knowing that GWS don't have probably the, the mighty forward line and, and the gun power to kind of really challenge. Um, I don't hate it because I do like Lulu Puller on the wing. Um, I think she adds something different. I think Tess Craven's really supported by by those players, by Akani, by O'Shea, by Jazz and by Sarah Wright or Lefty, as we like to call her. So I think it, it's a it's a good move. Um I was a little surprised that they didn't call on um, Constant. I'm going to get her name right. Yeah, Considine, you know, with her I, kind of experience and and her understanding and of the game. So that might be match fitness. That might be how the roles that she can play or maybe like the lack of roles. Like, you know, Tess Craven can push to the wing if you really want her to. And, and we know that she loves 
going around the goal. So it might be the versatility that that kind of maybe lets down her down. So I thought it was I thought it was a good calculated risk given um, how given the opposition, I guess. So smart smart move by Crocker. Um, it is absolutely gutting not to have Brosnahan for for the year, and let's hope she she will make a really good valuable asset come finals. Um, but yeah, it's it's a huge hole to fill. It's a huge huge hole because you. You effectively miss not only a really good key defender, but the the run and carry that she provides. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, Craven can kind of build some consistency down there and is really supported by the the back group, which I think is a really solid. I think the, the great thing about North, when we look at all the different lines, I think the defense on the weekend held up really well and um, and did a really good job down there. Yeah, oh, look, there's no problems with the back line. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, you got the you know um, the key pillars like Sarah Wright and Jasmine Ferguson really doing a job there. I mean, like you said, the forward line is a concern, and you know we had Kate Sheila uh, take a good mark, but you know, she only took two marks for the game. Talia Randall only took one mark, and Emma King only took one mark. I understand that it was a very swirly breeze, but are you worried that if they're not plucking marks, that um, a forward line is going to struggle. Yeah, I'm worried because if they're not plucking marks, Dean, unfortunately, as awful as this sounds, they do become a liability um, in the sense here that, you know, you can't have the sh- like the quick running carry of small crafty forwards. And, and don't get me wrong, Randall crushes packs. Like her job yeah. is to bring the ball to ground and, and provide that. So she's got a bit of a different role than the others. But, you know, if the ball is slung shot forward in terms of, you know, out of defence because we've got too many tools that don't, that can't chase the same way that maybe a small or a medium mid-sized forward can, it gets overcrowded and it can be something used against North Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, it's it's because if you want a chaos ball in and you kind of, you know, with the mids not probably connecting as well as they could to our, our um, tools, what you do want is then medium-sized, crafty, small forwards to pounce on the ball. And I just yeah. feel like as much as I love Bella Eddie and Elisa Lachlan, I just don't know whether, and Ali Gavalis at times, it just, it lacked so much synergy, that forward line. You know, I almost want to get those girls, take them out, take them to the Leveson, go get a Palmer together and, and have a chat. You know, get all the forwards together, have a bit of a meeting, have a bit of a discussion. What's the plan? What's our structures? How do we hold shape? How do we hold formation? How do we lock the ball in and make sure that when we go get inside 50, how do we score from this? Because I feel like on the weekend, we just had that many opportunities, that many looks at it, and we just couldn't capitalise. So, um, yeah, fairly frustrating, but I think it'll hopefully, hopefully there's some sort of organisation within that forward line team to talk strategy and structure. How do you kind of feel about the forwards? Yeah, I mean, there were concerns. I mean, I get, yeah, look, I've got to understand that, um, yeah, the, the wind did play tricks and it was very tough uh, for the key forwards. Um, but like you said, yeah, there was a real synergy. There was one um, period where Emma, um, Emma King might have taken a mark or might have got a free kick in like the centre square and she just held the ball and she didn't know where to kick it. And then in the end, she just kicked it to the space um, behind Ruby Tripotti. Um, just to, she was the only girl uh, near it. So there's there's obviously something lacking there. And it's a job for Sam Wright to work out, obviously, as mm-hmm. well. 
because we can't afford to have 42 entries for only 12 scoring shots um, against, you know, like we, we could have a situation where we, you know, um, had like uh, against Melbourne last year in the prelim. Yeah. We had a lot of 450 entries, entries, but um, yeah, in the end, we just played in their hands. And it felt a little bit like that on the weekend. So it's something to work on, which is good, you know, to get that sort of problem in round five. Um, and, and sort of work on and hopefully we can, um, yeah, get something you know, going uh, this week where it's, yeah, if we get 42 entries, hopefully we can have 20 scoring shots or something like that. So, yeah, yeah I, think if, I agree. I think it's good to have indicators. And I think, yeah, like you said, if we if we get 40 shots, then like 40 entries, let's aim for 20, like scoring. And they don't all have to be goals, but they have to produce some sort of score um, just because, yeah, it's – and I do admit, you know, GWS for for large parts of the game did park the bus, so it's so yeah. hard navigating. But I thought tactically, great, and this is what you do against North. Like this is, you know, if you want to beat North or if you want to stay in the game against North Melbourne and, and give yourself a chance at half time, which Brisbane, to be fair, run us over the top, is that well, you use this strategy, yeah, you, you can really um, capitalize on just playing a lot of defensive footy and then slingshot up forward and, and try to make something work. So, yeah, look, a lot, lot to be done there. Um, still very potent. Like, you, you look at it, Randall, Shearlaw, King when she's down there, Tripodi, Eddie, Aliso Lachlan, Gavalis when she plays down there. You look at that and on paper every day of the week you say, yeah, great, that's going to work out really well. That team's going to score well. Um, it just, I guess, like you said, it, it's difficult when we know how much damage top four teams are doing percentage-wise to other teams and you almost feel like North have to keep keep in tow with them in order to stay and have the opportunity to play top four. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we want to finish top two, so we get home finals all the way through. We don't want to travel in the state uh, through a prelim or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week. We're going to probably have to win one of the Melbourne or Adelaide games, one of those two, and that's going to be very tricky come ra- round eight or nine. Um, our percentage is fine. Like, it's um, it's pretty good. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, it's just, yeah, I suppose... Uh, uh, trying to get a, 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 a scalp, which has been our biggest issue ever since AFLW has come in. We, we kinda, we've kind of struggled against you know, the Brisbane's, Adelaide's and Melbourne's, so we kind of need, need a scalp and get that belief uh, going into finals. So we'll see how we go anyway. Um, I guess uh, a lot of positives, though, out of the game. Uh, Riddell, another 32 touches for the game, 12 clearances, five tackles. She's having another great year, but it seems to be lost in all in it all with uh, Jasmine Garner, I guess, having a, having a great year. Yeah, it reminded me of um, the Brownlow when they were calling out. Obviously, Petrarca was doing so well, but then Viney was stealing votes off him. So mm-hmm. it kind of – I honestly think that maybe, you know, um, Jasmine Garner's the Petrarca and Riddell's kind of this, you know, understated Viney sort of in and under tough player. So – it, it was good to see her get the recognition that she deserves. She's an extremely hard worker. I think she runs – she's probably one of the best, if not the best runners at the club. Um, so it was really pleasing to see her get that recognition. Um, I, I do think, like I said, though, you know, again, positive. She played so well. I just wish some of those mid-forward entries were a little bit more um, – sort of hacking the ball forward and, and just moving space and gaining territory – I think that sometimes she falls under the false pretense that she doesn't have as much time as she does to kick. So I think adding a bit of composure to her game 
um, would be really, really beneficial just so that she can, she's got the, she's got the capacity to, to ball handle quite well, but sometimes I just feel like she rushes it and hacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just like to see her against Fremantle kind of back herself in, take the time, you know, use your composure, use your ball sense, use your awareness to sum up the situation and hit a key target forward. Um, but look, no, she, she was a highlight. Um, like we said, I think our back line are pretty incredible. I know we play plus one down back there, like as a nice little, but it, it just goes to show if we're playing plus, plus one back, it just means winning at the coal face is key. So Ashradale's possessions are, are quite incredible given that, you know, she's probably winning a, a center, a clearance or a stoppage, having a North player down, not having equal at the contest. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I thought, you know, Sheila and Randall did some impressive things. I think their flight paths in terms of trying to assess where the ball was going at times, I understood it was hard to kind of guide with the eyes. Um, you know, who else is there? I guess Lulu Pullock pulled off that really remarkable goal, which finally lifted a bit of energy into Arden Street because I think, I don't know, you were at the ground, but I think there was a bit of tension in the air in the, in the sense that, what North Mellon fans expected was was maybe similar to what happened at the Carlton game, but unfortunately we weren't capitalising. So I think that relieved a bit of um, anxiety and intention. Um, but no, look, it, it was it's a plus four points performance. It's a five goal win. It's keeping a team scoreless, um, and it's just making sure that we kind of review those tapes. We don't have to rewatch it, but. I'm sure that the coaches go back and, and they assess little things like I thought GWS linked up really well when they did move the ball. I think they were really good at moving the ball and I guess the lack of pressure was a little concerning to me. The lack of pressure that was put on the ball carrier or how easily that they fed the ball out to each other. Like there were some really classy moments and this is, again, not to be – um, just like, you know, d- defaming to GWS. They're still probably a bottom 14 and they've got a long way to go, but they just linked up really well and they looked like they moved the ball quite well. And I thought that was a bit concerning. So when North doesn't win the stoppage or the clearance, how do we play defensively and how do we make sure there's still pressure on the ball carrier to ensure that how they use the ball is not the most effective way, I guess, that they can they can go forward. So... Yeah, I don't know. What what were some things that you liked, Dean, about the game? Yeah, I thought um, Jenna Bruton, uh, her second game back as well, after, yeah, you wouldn't think she's lost anything. Uh, 26 touches. I, I really like Mia King uh, this year. Like 14 tackles. Her second, third, and fourth efforts at the contest mm. in particular are, are outstanding. And yeah, yeah Lulu Puller is uh, fine. Like you mentioned, she's finding um, her feet on the on the wing uh, right now. And nine in disposal and a goal at the end, very close to best on ground. So, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot to like. Yeah, I mean, their, their link uh, in the chains were quite good, uh, GDLBS, but they got to a certain point to about the wing half forward and, and in the end they just had no one forward. So, yeah, they, they kind of uh, struggled. Um, but they did work, did do a lot of good plays um, at certain points. Um, working in, yeah, working in the chain. They did have, I think, uh, 114 handballs and 114, 134 handballs and 114 kicks for the game. Okay. So a lot of... Uh, yeah, run and carry, but uh, they never they never threaten. Like in that game. they never look like you know anything yeah. like that. So yeah, like you, like you said, they sort of parked the bus and minimised um, 
the damage a, a bit, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, I guess we move forward um, to a big away trip coming up on Sunday against the Dockers, who are coming off a good win against Richmond last week. Uh, any concerns? Kiara, Kiara Bowers should be back this week, the star midfielder for Fremantle. Yeah, she's um, she'll be raring to go. I think I spoke to you about how I genuinely believe Frio is probably a three to four goal better team over there. Um, it's their home state, it's their home conditions. Um, I do, whilst I understand because we're in the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos and there is quite a fortress down at Tassie, I do wonder about the travel fatigue. Um, you know, after the game, I think. Carney was interviewed. I think maybe Garner was interviewed, and she was on record saying that, that they do enjoy traveling away, like as in they do enjoy spending time together as a team. So that's good as a team bonding kind of um, exercise or away trip. But yeah, I, I don't think Frio and Frio is an easy uh, away game. I don't think it's a 100%, you know, put it in pen win. I think um, it'll take a fair bit. I think it'll be a bit more grinding than than what we'd like as North supporters. But I still think if we fix our forward line and, you know, if we do a bit of work around how the mids uh, dispose of the ball going forward and give the forwards the best opportunity mixed with the forwards capitalising on these opportunities and scoring from these forward entries, I think we should get the win because across the lines, you know, forward, backs, mids, I think we've got Frio covered. Um but you never know whether Kira Bauer's coming back, um, Hayley Miller. Um, I played a bit of footy with Ellie Runnels. She's one of their wingers. She could right. run for days, that girl. She's, um, she's like a greyhound. So Gabby O'Sullivan is down there as well. So they've still got some, some quality players across lines that can do some damage. I just think that North get the chocolates on the premise that they've probably got the more balanced list. Um, but it's not going to be easy, Dean. It's probably going to be, yeah, it's going to be a hard way game. Um, I think it's, well, I think it's like Sunday 5 o'clock, if I'm yeah, correct. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a brutal time slot because when you think about it, those girls will be on the red high home for sure. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they're on the red eye with a win. How do you see the game, Dean? Yeah, I'm confident we can get the uh, four points. Um, I just, yeah, obviously we want that, um, yeah, that forward line function a little bit better. Uh, we can see, yeah, little improvements there. Um, I think, yeah, we should get a good win. I think, yeah, even if Kiara Bowers plays, uh, yeah, which she should, yeah, I still think our midfield's a lot better than theirs. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good challenge and open ground, a lot bigger ground than what we used to. So. Yes, it'll definitely be a big challenge for the girls, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're up for it. I think we should get yeah you know, a three or four goal comfortable victory. Yeah, you know, Fremantle last three and two, but uh, they haven't really beaten anyone outstanding. I mean, uh, their best win was on the weekend, and yeah, you know, I think they've beaten yeah you know, the bottom teams outside of that. I think it's Hawthorne and Port Adelaide or something like that. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, look. Uh, as far as I know, no injuries from last week. Uh, any possible changes you think could come up? Nah, I mean, honestly, I thought about it and I thought about what do you do with that forward line particularly. Um, But I think I'm being a bit too harsh. Like I don't want to drop Rennie or King or Randall or Shearlaw. But um, it's a big ground. It's, It's hot over there. 
Um, so if they don't clunk marks, they could run us off our feet, Frio. So I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I think ultimately gut says remain unchanged because it's a winning formula. Um, but I really want to see some better disposal forward 50, better entries and the key forwards clunking marks. Or if you're not clunking marks, Randall's going at the pack and she's crunching it down and bringing it to the ground and there's some high energy from our small forwards and our mid forwards that are creating scoring opportunities. Um, I think unchanged is probably what I would go with. What about you, Dean? Are you going to bring anyone in? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think there's much to bring in. I understand Hannah Bowie's uh, should be back now. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, you can't – I mean, the only one you could probably consider is Tess Craven out of that back six. Um, mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, you know, throw a baby out of the bathroom just yet with her. I'd like to see a few weeks with her there, so she probably misses out. Uh, I think I spoke off here. I'd love to see Charlie Greenville get an opportunity. She looked all right as a small forward in a couple of games she played last year. But, um, I mean, who do you take out? Maybe Elise O'Wachlan, but I really like the pressure she brings. Each week, you can't drop Bella Eddie, you can't drop Bella Gavala, so she probably misses the outside. I, I mean, at this stage, I think it's unchanged unless there's injuries. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it stay, stays unchanged at this stage. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think Granville would be great. It's it's like I said, say it once, I said it a million times, it's frustrating that these girls don't have a coinciding season to, for them to get match feet because we know there's a massive difference between training really well and match simulation versus playing an actual game. So a bit disappointing. I'd hope the league reconsiders how they structure AFW to make sure that there's a reserves league. Um, but, yeah, look, Tess Craven, the experiment I think for now is working. Um, provides a lot of run and carry. She's quite creative, and that's kind of what you need as a halfback. And I think that that's what, you know, the Jazz Fergusons and the, and the Sarah Wrights are there as lockdowns, whereas... I think Tess has got a lot of, um, I guess, freedom and creativity to play and do a lot of, um, I guess, attacking. And so it's not too dissimilar to her wing role in the sense that it's finding space, it's being aware of, of the game and and how to move the ball in the most effective way. So, yeah, for me, unchanged. Um, and I think I'm tipping north by about maybe like – I'm not that – maybe because I've just watched the, G, the GWS highlights at the moment and their scoring efficiency has not been great. I reckon by about 16 points, they'll win by. Yeah, which is probably at the end of the day. So we're just uh, yeah, a long trip. It is supposed to be 23 over in Perth on Sunday, so a little bit of warm weather, but um, not too bad in the end. It's not supposed to be 30 or anything like that. So hopefully the girls climatise pretty well to all that. Um, well, we've got a bit of news with the men, so we'll go to that before we uh, finish up, Claire, uh, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so confirmed that Todd Goldstein has picked Essendon yesterday. Um, it was rumoured that he was going to pick him, but then Collingwood came in late and now he has picked Essendon. I think Sam Draper is in doubt for next season with a groin injury, hence they want to pick him up. Um, you're obviously getting into Twitter or X debates over this with some certain <laughs> individuals, so explain yourself there. Yeah, I was, I was saying to you, I don't normally engage with this. It's very off-brand for me to actually engage with, like, I guess more of the um, negative, potentially if we say it, side of Twitter just because 
I've got, I don't have time for it realistically. Like it's a bit of a cesspool as it is Twitter. So I try to keep it on the lighter, more fun side of things. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't, for the life of me, I do not understand Brad Scott. I could study that man for the next hundred million years and still not understand what he's doing. Um, look, if it's a replacement, if it's 15 games to make sure that they've got a Ruckman and, and Draper's injured and, and they don't really believe in, in Phillips being their primary um, key, I guess, Ruck around the ground, it, it does make sense. But I just think that – I said this on Twitter and I'll say it again. I think Essendon and Essendon supporters – and internally, the clubs suffer from this pretense that they're a big Victorian club. And maybe in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were. They were a big Victorian club, but they're not anymore. And I, I don't even mean that as like a, a negative thing. Like I'm not even trying to pick fights with Essendon supporters. I just mean by their finals record and by how their, run, their club is run with coterie members and a, a shambles of a board and sacking Ben Rutten. And so Essendon supporters often want to say that North is this, you know, club to be pitied and, you know, tin rattlers and all these sort of things. And I think, you know, Essendon, are, are, you know, you don't throw rocks at glass houses. And I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that Essendon sacked Ben Rutten because he only won seven games. Now, Brad Scott's won 11 games. Mind you, four of them, Dean, have been against the bottom two sides. So they played West Coast twice, they played us twice. They had a whack at us twice. If Essendon don't make finals next year, which, which bear in mind, Todd Goldstein will be, I think he's 36 in July, will be yeah. their key ruck, right? If they don't make finals, I think that they'll turn on Brad Scott. Oh, I, think hap- I think it'll happen even sooner than that. I think even halfway through the year, if they're struggling, if they're four and seven, they'll be turning pretty quickly on him. Well, and, and that's, I guess, it's all going to be written in the stars. You know, maybe maybe what happens is they get a soft fixture to start and he travels along and maybe it's like, you know, four and four and three or four and two because they've played West Coast and they've played us and they've played maybe a, a Frio at home or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, I just, I think, I, okay, great. We've extended Todd Goldstein's life. He gets 15 games. Sure. Fair enough. Then going for Ben Mackay, um, and I know that they need to address the fact that Zerk Thatcher's left, but uh, yeah, I, it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Essendon as a football club don't actually make sense to me because you can see very clear what North Melbourne is doing. It's saying, okay, we need to actually build from scratch, and it's got assistant coaches. Clarkson has well and truly now tried to sweep the uh, the cobwebs, if you like, from the club. And he's putting in his people. And it's taken a while and it's taken longer than we thought because obviously he had um, a spell this season and took some time away, which is fine. So we had Ratten at the club. We had these, you know, kind of interim people. So the rebuild again has taken probably longer than, than what we thought. But you can see the, the slow and long rebuild of the club and what they're trying to actually do. Whereas I just feel like Essendon are constantly fighting with themselves over the fact that they think that they're a big club because Collingwood just won a flag and, and you know, Carlton are on the rise, but they're really not. And they need to do a massive clean out and have a massive look and examine where they're at because I just don't think, you know, paying overs for Ben Mackay and then getting to Todd Goldstein is the right message to send to, you, to the supporters because you're basically saying, all right, we're topping up, guys. We're not too far away. We can play finals. We're just topping up. 
you're like you're not you're not topping up like you still need to address some key issues that you have with that list so like i said i got in a bit of a twitter twitter tirade about that and, and i think i got on a bit of a tirade about um assistance packages and compensation just because i'm so <laughs> sick of oh dean i'm so sick of everyone whinging i'm actually like, so over it and I'm, i only checked twitter maybe three or four times today um because i just i was working for one but you know i didn't really want to engage but the amount of people that are just whinging over nothing i, I just yeah it really frustrates me but at the end of the day I will miss Todd Goldstein. I would have loved to have seen him as a one-club player. I think it, it breaks my heart a little bit that when you see Drew Petrie's name, you see North Melbourne Football Club and then you see West Coast. And same with Daniel Wells. He breaks my heart, you know, having Collingwood next to it. But, you know, that's the modern era of AFL football. It's You want to extend your career. You want to kind of get as most, you know, bang for buck. And I don't at all resent Toddy Goldstein for, for choosing what he's done. That's respect to him. He's... A club servant, but um, like we say on this podcast, Dean, anyone but Essendon, you know. How did you feel about the whole thing? Uh, I kind of knew what was happening, but if I was if I was him, I, I was actually a bit surprised he didn't pick Collingwood uh, if he had that choice, only because I think the, there's a chance for a premiership with Collingwood next year. Whereas Essendon, you might be getting eighth spot, and that's about it. So yeah, all things you know break you know break well for Essendon, they might get seventh or eighth. You know, on the ladder, but um, yeah, I think the ceiling's a lot higher. Maybe, maybe Essen, uh, Colin would have a change of heart, and yeah, he pretty much only had Essen to pick from. So, yeah, oh, look, good luck to him, but um, yeah, I'll certainly not be too hard when uh, North by Essen the next year, that's for sure. So, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see how we go with all that. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, it's part of the business these days, and you know, with free, when free agency came in, it gives uh, lifelines of players like Todd Goldstein and, and so forth that they can get uh, you know, extra years into their career, which is uh, which is always important because yeah, you're a long time retired, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, don't resent that at all. Good on you, Todd, club servant, love your work, and I don't resent Ben Mackay either. Like he's chasing nah. coin. Good on him if that's what he wants to do. I have no ill feelings towards players, but um. Yeah, I just have ill feelings towards people that don't understand compensation. <laughs> I just oh, don't no. understand it. Um, yeah, but oh, yeah. Look, I mean, the AFL don't make it easy either because there's no actual system to it. Like when, yeah, you know, when uh, Collingwood got Pendlebury and all that sort of thing, there was like a system where if, if you lost, uh, yeah, if you didn't win any more than, you know, if you won less than five games in a year, then you sort of got, you know, an extra, yeah, uh, compensation pick or something like that. That was about 15, 20 years ago. And now there's no there's no uh, method to the madness or anything like that. It's just like we'll, we'll ask for an assistance package and see what happens. That's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you're right. It does make it quite clear cut how priority picks were given um, that time period, whereas now, yeah, you're just making it up as you go. So I think fans – I understand why supporter bases have an issue and take issue with it because, you know, are you robbing Paul to pay Peter? How's the fairness of the system? And, you know, I got into an argument or a debate with an Adelaide supporter. I was like, well, we get nothing. I'm like, yeah, but you get the benefit of being, you know, a two-town um, football state. So you do get, like, Isaac Rankin that wants to come home. You, you do yeah. get players that do want to come home. On the, on the flip side, they also get Vic players that want to come home. It's just it, it's never going to be a perfect system. You either lean into AFL and you, and you say to yourself, yeah, it's completely unfair that, you know, Collingwood get to play, you know, 
10 or 11 plus games at the MCG every year, which is inevitably going to be where the grand finals play. That's an advantage, but you either like it or you lump it. You lean in and you understand the advantages of the game or you completely pull out and say it's unfair and I don't like it. I think you can't, you can't constantly whinging about shit because there's so much that you can whinge about. So just yeah. go about and support your team. Go to your, go to your games, watch the, Get some merch, you know, make sure that you invest in your club. I think that's the best way forward, I think. Oh, definitely. And hopefully you know, in two or three years' time we can win a flag and uh, these uh, these assistance packages were a big part of it. So <laughs> just to rub yeah. it in. Oh, um, yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, that will be good. Uh, we've also confirmed an appointment for development coach in Michael Barlow and assistant Jed Adcock from Brisbane Lions. That's just happened recently. Uh, this is an important appointment, Claire, because that's an area we need to get right with our development. And we've got a very young list that needs to grow now, don't we? Yeah, I think Michael Barlow is a perfect um, – I was really stoked when I saw that news. Um, I think, like I said on Twitter, one of my biggest issues with the club has been the inability to foster and develop really good, talented players. And I think, you know, we're okay at picking the high draft picks. And I know Larky went at 73 and Zerha wasn't exactly – you know, he wasn't a first-rounder. But it's few and far between. And I think as a person who's watched – you know, there's a period between Ben Mackay getting drafted and then we had Vickers Willis, we had Daniel Nielsen, we had Declan yeah. Mountford, we had Michael Hibbard. Like, I can name all these players. And they just never came along. And I think there was a lack of accountability because we really miss between the 26 to the maybe 32 mark age group of our club. It's really lacking in talent. Um, so it would be really good to see Michael Barlow stay for an extended period of time. We know that he's got the chocolates on the board with working with someone like Werribee. Um, I think his background, I, th- I could be wrong here, but his background is in education. So I think he is a good talker. I think he, he knows how to mentor. He knows how to coach. I think he knows how to build relationships. So I think he's key to the role. Um, I, I don't know much about, I was, again, maybe it's my own lack of knowledge. I didn't know much about the Xavier Clark appointment. Do you know much about the Xavier Clark appointment that he's put in as assistant coach? He's been at Richmond for eight years, um, apparently highly rated uh, at Richmond. So, yeah, um, I think Jesse out on a couple of weeks ago sort of mentioned on their forums, he went through the Richmond forums and they talked highly of him. So, I mean, I, I can't, I, I don't know, like personally or anything like that, but yeah, Cam's highly rated. Uh, as does Jed Adcock, who's been at Brisbane for the last six or seven years since he retired from AFL football. So it sounds like Alistair Clarkson is getting the people in that he wants to get in, as opposed to last year. He was sort of just stuck with um, people that uh, were already at the club, like John Blakey, um, Gavin Brown and all that sort of thing. So it sounds like uh, he's getting the people that he, wanted, that he wants to get in, which uh, is important, I would think, Claire. Yeah, I do too. I think it's, like you said, he, he's getting his hands really dirty now. You can see him pulling the moves. You know, one of the biggest things that I really liked about Clarko when he first came to the club was when he opened the doors and he kind of made that meeting space where everyone kind of collaborates and it's, it's at the centre of the club, the communication and building good relationships. And I think like we're slowly seeing Alistair Clarkson being able to put into place an ideal team that he wants to work with and, and people that he can trust and and know that, that that can do a good job. So it's exciting. Like I said, oh my dog. It's exciting to see. It's it's been it's been a long slog for us to see. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, I put myself in this category. When the 
appointment of Clarkson happened, I definitely felt a surge of enthusiasm and hope. And I thought, okay, well, here he is. He's going to lift us. And I definitely thought we'd have a better season than we did the season. And statistically on many fronts we did, and we lost a lot of close games. But I think it, it's going to be a long haul and this is a coach that's going to be the coach of our club, I think, I honestly think for the next decade. If he still enjoys coaching, I think watching Wardlaw, watching Sheasel come through, um, watching, I guess, the development of LDU, I think he's in it for the long haul. And I think despite how frustrating and... <laughs> you know, maybe depressing at times it has been in the last couple of years, it's going to pay real dividends to, to watch him slowly um, reignite our club and reinvigorate kind of the passion and, and the love that we know North Melbourne supporters have for Arden Street and our players. So it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. And I think it's nice to see, you know, the big boss, him and Viney, pull some some levers. And as much as I like Brett Ratton, I really like Brett Ratton. I thought he was fantastic. I'm really glad that he gets another shot at Hawthorne. I think he'll really like it there and I think it's it's a place where he, where he had a really good journey. So I wish him all the luck there. But, yeah, Michael Barlow I think is going to be a great appointment and I, I'll be honest with you, Dean, I don't know much about Jed Adcock, or only the fact that I had a massive crush on him when I grew up watching him. So apart no. from that, that's all that I can really offer on him. Oh, well, there you go. So, well, he's in Melbourne now, so he might be able to fulfil that dream of yours. Exactly. Um, yeah. Right down to Arden Street. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know, Claire, so good luck with that. Anyway, um, I won't talk too much about uh, players that might be coming in or trade rumours just yet. Um, there's a lot of uh, rumours going around, as you'd know, on X. Um, did you want to add anything else before I let you go, Claire? Yeah, I mean, disappointing I couldn't get to the game on Arm Street, really wanted to be there. But um, I think our next home game is against Port Adelaide, which uh, any chance to see Erin Phillips live I think is is worthy. Um, I think she's up there with Jasmine Garner in terms of the, the talent that she brings to the game. So hopefully supporters come along to that. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can get the four points and grind out a solid win and get a bit more consistency and synergy with our, our forwards and our mids. And, um, yeah, I guess I'll... I don't know. I guess, do you, like, I'm trying to stay away from Twitter at the moment because I reckon this time of the year is its worst in terms of trade whispers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, I just can't, I can't deal with it. So I'm hoping trade radio and all this stuff, it's got, I think, got a month or so and then it's all gone and we're into cricket season. Um, so that's very exciting. But, yeah, hopefully we see North supporters get to the game against Port Adelaide in, in two weeks' time. Should be good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, get through this week and then uh, next Sunday, fifteenth uh, of October. Yeah, we play Port Adelaide, which uh, uh, I think it might even be our last Arden Street game, isn't it, for the year? I think it might be because we got uh, um, uh, round ten. Is that no? That's at uh, Whitten Oval. So no, yeah, that's probably the last last game. So hopefully, um, yeah, we can get some supporters to that one. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Well, anyways, Claire, uh, thank you so much for coming on, chatting AFLW and a bit of Ben's as well. And I'm sure I'll chat to you next week again. Thanks very much, Dean. Appreciate your time. So thanks once again to Claire for coming on and dissecting our women's performance on Sunday. A few concerns, like she said. Um, I'm not too worried at the moment. I think there's uh, plenty more upside to come. So, yeah, let's not uh, get uh, too carried away. At the moment, still only halfway through the season, still four and one, still doing well, good percentage. So, 
No, it's all good. Uh, and that's it for today's show. Uh, once again, thank you to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this without your support. Uh, if you can leave a rating review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be much appreciated. I should be back for another episode later this week. Uh, I'm not too, too sure what I'm going to do. Um, if there's obviously news with the men's program, uh, a little bit more news, then I'll talk about that. But outside of that, um, I might continue the player reviews. Like I said, I'm not too sure. I haven't thought that far ahead. So we'll see how we go with all that. Anyways, that's it for today. So today, I will leave a shout out to Shardy at Shardy 53102203 on X. Bye for now and go Roos.